This is Man Down, the anti-man up movement with me, Jamie Clements. Join me as I speak to inspirational people from all walks of life about mental health, masculinity, vulnerability, and pretty much everything else. This is Man Down. I am incredibly proud to say that Man Down is brought to you in partnership with Better, a charity raising awareness around mental health and suicide prevention through a range of exciting events and initiatives. Please head over to www.better.org.uk, that's B-E-D-E-R, or find them on Instagram at better underscore UK. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for another episode of Man Down, uh, episode 18. I can't quite believe it's been 18 weeks since the first episode, but here we are, and thank you for sticking with me. Um, it's going to be another awesome conversation. Today, I have the absolute pleasure and privilege of being joined by Will Manning. Uh, so to tell you a little bit about Will, um, Will started out doing discos at the age of 10 and has now risen to be the host of the UK's biggest chart show, the official Big Top 40 on Capital FM. Uh, he's also heard daily on Capital on weekdays uh, at 10 a.m., bringing his trademark sass and his spin on the day to the nation. Uh, not only that, he's been the BGT digital presenter, toured the UK with his DJing, been called up by the X Factor to host their parties, hosted 10,000 people at the O2 Arena. He's voiced adverts for the likes of Drake, Barclay Card, Channel 4 and more. And he gets the goss from the biggest stars in the world every single week and is a go-to for the likes of Billie Eilish, Katy Perry, who were just chatting about Demi Lovato, Jason Derulo and pretty much everyone else that you can think of uh, and now has brand partnerships including TikTok, Virgin Media, Now TV. The list really does go on and I am delighted to be joined by Will today but most importantly before we get started Will is also an ambassador for Better. Better is Mandown's partner charity if you don't already know please go and check them out they're doing some incredible work around suicide prevention and mental health awareness Will has actually got his uh, his better cap on and I didn't even have to ask him to wear it <laughs> so uh yeah really really delighted to have Will on the show Will how are you mate Wow, amazing after that build-up. That was amazing. <laughs> Never normally get that. Yeah, that was very the, nice. The whole the whole works, mate. I don't don't go on half measures here, but yeah. How's uh, how's everything on your end? How's um, how's life in in your world at the moment? We're getting back to normal. We're getting back to normal. So that's nice in a way. In a way, I was saying yeah. to you before that I have selfishly enjoyed lockdown, but at the same time, it is nice to see people getting on with their lives and you know getting back to some form of normality and it's nice to see you know faces at the office again that i haven't seen for four three months um but selfishly i was you know, really like quite enjoying the slow pace of life so part of me kind of wants that back you know it's weird because i was driving into town every day i moved back in with my parents because i didn't want to be stuck in my one bed flat in london on my own for however long it was going to yeah. be so i was driving into central london every day and I just loved that feeling of freedom. Like the roads were empty. I was getting into work, doing my show, leaving. And then there was a point where I was like, mm, roads are a bit busier today. And mm. I was like, oh, okay, roads are really busy today. And I was like, oh, no, people are coming back. People are back, yeah. People are back. <laughs> no, that's awesome. What, um, what was it about that kind of slowdown for you that, that you enjoyed? You know, I think people have had very different... Uh, you know, mental health included, but in general, people have had very different feelings 
in themselves across the whole period, but also like just me and my friends have had very different, seemingly very different experiences of the whole period. So, mm. you know, what, what were the elements that you actually enjoyed and were there any bits that you actually struggled with as well? Yeah, I think the bits I enjoyed, like I said, were the slow pace of life and the zero pressure to be social, mm. which sounds really antisocial, but part of my job, and it sounds like, oh God, how poor, poor you, but it's like, you know, going to events mm -hmm. three, sometimes four times a week, which I find really mentally draining. And some of them I really enjoy and some of them are just like, I can't be bothered, but you literally <laughs> have to go. Like it's, a, you have to go. Yeah. Um, but whilst you're there, you're small talking, you're chatting to people, you, you, you know, you don't necessarily want to be spending your energy on. And that's one thing I've realized my energy, and this sounds really wanky, but my energy is actually so important. Um, and just like reserving that for things and people that really, really matter. So I've just really enjoyed the zero stress of having to go to those events and thinking about what I'm going to wear and how I want to get home and like minimum amount of sleep and you know, all these things, which don't sound like a big deal, but when you look back at the end of the week and you've done a day's work and you've been out most nights, I'm done. Like by the weekend, I'm like, I, I have spent all my energy that week. Yeah. So I've really enjoyed not going to those to be completely honest. <laughs> um, the things I didn't enjoy were the, the pressures of me being on all the time. Because obviously that is my job and I'm expected to be on every single day, 10 a.m. to 1, three hours entertaining millions of people. And I really, really struggled. At first I was like, okay, you know what? We can, we can do this. We were all moving in the same way. I think everybody was in the same place, right? We were all going through the motions together. We were following the rules together. We were told what to do. So we just did that and I could reflect that. But then there was a point where some people were doing some things, other people were doing other things and, also, life had been completely put on hold, so there was nothing to talk about. There was nothing going on. Artists weren't doing anything. I wasn't doing anything. My friends weren't doing anything. There was no stories to bring to air. <laughs> so I remember there was a day where I actually sat on my studio floor, and this is going to sound really sad, but I sat on my studio floor. I was on my own because my producer was working from home, and I just had a little cry before the show because <laughs> I was like, I'm out of words here. And I, I, I'm really struggling. And I'm expected to go on air and like, it was like 10 minutes to the show and I've mm. got to sound really happy and up for it. But I just hadn't, I had nothing left in me that day. That, that I think for me, you know, for actually I forgot to say at the top of the show, this is, this is daunting for me speaking to a seasoned hosting professional um, <laughs> on, on my own podcast. I'm here going, oh, he's got oh, a mic. Right. You're, the, you're the champion here, mate. He's, he's, got, he's got a nicer mic than me and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think that must be so, so tough because I've had luckily not many conversations for the podcast where I've been like, uh, like, what the fuck do I say? Mm. Like, I don't uh, like normally, thankfully, given the nature of these conversations, there are questions that come up throughout what people are saying, but there've been a couple of times where I've been like, I hope no one else can hear how awkward this is. Um, <laughs> like, it must be, especially with stuff just not happening like it's yeah it must just be really really tough and one thing that came to mind when you were chatting there about that period and hosting during that period um as a you know a capital fm host and presenter with sort of the 
I suppose the the severity and the the darkness of what was going on. Mm. How do you, how do you manage that? Like how how comfortable or required is it of you to be able to touch on hard hitting stuff as well as sort of the lighter, you know, gossip stuff and celebs and all of that that sort of things. What what's that balance like? How did you manage that? Do you know what as a hit music radio station Honestly, we don't normally go heavy mm. on, we, we keep it light, you know, people come to us for escapism, but there was no escaping the fact that life had changed and we had to change. And I'm super lucky to say that my bosses let us just go on and just be real about it. So we were yeah. reflecting, <clears throat> you know, uh, well, I mean, obviously without being really downbeat, but we were reflecting real life and we were having NHS workers on the phone, just talking about their tough day. We were thanking people. People were sending in thank you messages. We were just being really real and really reflective and, and, and actually just a human. We were just being a human about it, Yeah. Um, which was so important. We couldn't have not, like we would have sounded ridiculous if we didn't just talk about the realities. Um, so that was really nice. And it made me just like so grateful to be broadcasting actually. It was like yeah. a real privilege and an honor to be speaking to people and people did turn to radio they needed a bit of normality. They wanted a, a human voice in their room and they, maybe they were living on their own or they wanted to you know, not pick a Spotify playlist that day because they've got enough going on in their life. Mm -hmm. So they just came to us. So it was a real honor. Um, and yeah, like I said, we, we, we were lucky to reflect that. But um, and personally, there was only so much I could take in my, in my own brain. So there were those moments where I was like, oh, this is really hitting me hard. Yeah. Um, and it's hard, you know, you can't switch off from that because you, you, you're there to do a job. Yeah, I guess that that leads quite nicely on to, to my next question, I guess, which is around, um, you know, you mentioned there sitting on sitting on the studio floor on your on your Todd's having, yeah. having a moment, which I think lots of people can probably relate to throughout this period, whatever they do, you know, whether it's just it all getting too much, whether your energy is, is super low, whether you just don't know what the hell to do with yourself. And when you are in a a broadcasting public facing you know high energy role how do you i guess how do you get yourself ready for that if your head, head isn't there it, it purely i owe the audience this they have no idea that i'm having a bad day mm. and they don't need to know i'm having a bad day they've got enough they've got that like i said they've got their lives to get on with and they're probably having a tougher time than i am mm -hmm. um so I just owe them a good show. That's yeah. what I always think. If I'm having a bad day, I owe them this show. Mm -hmm. This might be the first time they're hearing me and I don't want them to get the, the impression that I'm like <laughs> not up for it, not cut out for the job. So you just, every day you just have to perform. Yeah. That's literally the job. And obviously, yes, you have days where your shows are better or worse than others, but you still try your hardest. Yeah. So what got me off that floor was like, right, I, I am, the reality is, I am on air in 10 minutes. There is nothing I can do about that. I have to talk. So I need to just crack on and get on with it and enjoy those three. I like, enjoy, remember this is a privilege to be here mm. and just, just, just try and get through it really. Yeah. I remember in particular, it was a tough show though. I really did struggle. I, I remember calling my boss afterwards and just being like, I need a holiday. Yeah. I need to bring this holiday forward at some point because I'm really struggling. And I was coming into the office and no one else was. And yeah, it's just tough. It's just yeah. really, it's a lot to ask of, of someone. For sure, for sure. And I think as well, um, it'd be interesting, I guess, to get your insight into that. Um, I suppose it's the same for a lot of people listening in terms of their work environment has changed a lot. And 
whether I imagine it's probably the same for you with the team there. And so if you're going in and there's no one there and you've got to do this, you know, this thing that requires energy and, you know, for me, and I think a lot of other people, I get a lot of energy from those interactions with people and they, mm. they lift me, they give me that, yeah. that life to, to crack on. Um, and I do think lockdown has, has showed people that in a lot of cases, like people who myself included, maybe thought they were slightly more introverted than extroverted, suddenly realizing like, shit, I really need human interaction. I, I've never FaceTimed so many people in my life. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So d did you definitely notice that in terms of the team being apart and, you know, for in your case, you're going into your place of work, but the people aren't there. The people that make it what it is aren't there. Like, did that play, play a factor as well, do you think? Yeah, thousand percent. My producer was on a FaceTime screen like you are with me right now. And, you know, he can do his job to an extent, but there's no studio vibe. And it, believe it or not, a lot of the show relies on that vibe in the studio. If I am having a bad day, I need my producer to pick me up. If he's having a bad day, I can pick him up. Like we really rely on this, this aura that's in the studio. Mm -hmm. Be able to be like, yeah, I'm feeling this. I'm going to put the mic up and the audience is going to be able to hear that I'm having a good time. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, something you mentioned earlier on around energy and, um, you know, <laughs> there are lots of different takes on that word. I think, you know, the way you were talking about it before is, is something I really resonate with. And just in terms of like, you have a certain amount of energy in the tank for any given day, week, yeah. month. And if you deplete it, whether you're working out, whether you're having a conversation like this, whether you're doing work, whatever it might be, that saps your energy. So that's one end of the spectrum, I think. But also, and... <laughs> it gets a bad rap from like this sort of hippy dippy spiritual energy. And, you know, as someone who does definitely dips their toe, probably a bit more than a toe in that world. Um, I, I quite strongly believe in the power of, of that collective energy as well. I think there's a lot to be said for not only people in a space, creating that energy between them, but also then listeners being able to feel that. And I've had people listen to certain episodes of the podcast and be like, what was up with you that day or what was like in the other direction like you seemed like you like what changed that day like why yeah. were you in such a good mood and people can genuinely feel that and hear that so yeah i think it's it's no surprise that um for all of us having those connections taken away e even if there are benefits to you know like you mentioned that lack of FOMO like you're not missing those social events but those little day-to-day -day interactions with people you care about people you enjoy spending time with I definitely think have, have had an impact for all of us so yeah thinking um, about it you you, I, you couldn't really win because there was pros and cons for all of it so there was no I mean no one won really mm. did they no, no one was a winner um you just have to take every day it literally was take every day as it comes yeah. And, and things seem to change so much every day yeah. as well, which was the, yeah. the maddest thing. Um, I guess to, to come full circle background to just you, you as a person and, and your work, where, where did it all start for you? I think if, if people are less familiar with you, like how did you, how did you end up where you are now? Like, what was that journey like? Well, how long have you got? It's We've, a very long story. I'm trying to give you the short version. So you, me you mentioned that I did, um, I was doing discos when I was 10 mm. and I used to just like mess about in my bedroom with like karaoke machines and pretend I was on the radio and all this kind of shit. And uh, my parents were like, okay, you clearly love this. Um, and my mum worked at a school and they, they needed a DJ for a like little party. So I did it. 
um, they gave me 20 quid and I was like, what the hell? Like you're paying me to play songs uh, and I've never done anything else ever. I've only, that, that was it. That, from that day on, I never made money from doing anything else other than DJing uh, and presenting. So I just carried on doing DJing work. I used to do mobile discos, you know, bought all the lights and all of that. My dad would come with me at the weekend and set them all up for me, sit in the car park and then pack it all down and drive me home. And, uh, and then I started doing clubs and then I really fell in love with radio and listening to radio and I'd imitate presenters and, you know, try and find my own style from what I was hearing. And then this guy found me on Facebook. He was working at the BBC. He was like, do you want to come in and do some pilots for Radio One? I was like, yep, sure, absolutely. Um, and so we spent about six months developing those and then one extra Radio One sister station heard them and they were like, can we take him on for some cover work? I was 16. So my first ever radio show was me as a 16 year old going live on BBC Radio One Extra with no life experience. I had no stories. I was living this very middle-class lifestyle at home with my parents. I had no concept of reality. Um, but for some reason I managed to blag that for like a year doing cover. Uh, then they were like, you're shit, you're off. So <laughs> that went well. And I was like, oh my God, the dream's over. And then I saw this advert for a station called The Hits Radio, which is run by Bauer Media. Mm-hmm. And it was free work. But I was like, look, this is a way into a big media, big media um, owner. I started doing that, recorded the shows down the corridor from Kiss, where I'd done work experience the summer before. So I was like, I'll go and say hi to the boss. He remembered me, asked what I was up to, asked to hear the shows. And I was on Kiss the weekend after that covering. Amazing. And then I got offered Kiss, Kiss weekend shows. Then I got offered Kiss evening shows. And then after three and a half years of doing that, Capital gave me a call and said, can you come over here? So, and this is where I am now, four and a half years later, still on Capital. So that, that's the very, very condensed version for you. That's a, yeah, I think that, that covers it quite nicely. And yeah, yeah it's a, a nice... A nice... streamline it every time I tell that story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm sure. Skip out little bits and pieces. Yeah, there's, but, um, so, there's so many little bits in between, yeah. but that's, that's the basic version. Yeah, I think... I'm very lucky to only ever do what I'm passionate about, yeah. um, which has been a gift and a curse because I am so unbelievably passionate and like uh ambitious that it's my own my own nightmare sometimes you mm. know it's my, my biggest enemy at the same time um but you yeah, know very grateful to to only be, uh, say i've only done this as a job yeah absolutely i think it's um you know i spoke to we was chatting off air about it i spoke to marvin sordell a couple of weeks ago for the podcast about life as a premier league footballer and you know for me and i think for a lot of people listening who at least to begin with, have gone down more traditional, conventional working mm. paths where you've got your universities and your grad schemes and your you know entry level jobs, and it's all very structured. I think it's fascinating to hear how that that works out and how that path actually goes. And from chatting to both of you, it's a it's a small sample set, but chatting to both of you, it's just like start early fucking love it don't yeah. gi- don't give up <laughs> that seems to be a pretty good formula people always say oh what's your advice and i say that self-belief is the number one because if you don't believe in yourself there's absolutely no chance of anyone else believing in you yeah so um you've got that's always my driving force just like i'm gonna get there i'm gonna get there you know i used to get the bus home from school and we had kiss on mm. and i would like in a cocky way be like oh one day i'm gonna be doing this show and my friends were like yeah whatever like you're not gonna be on kiss and then i did cover kiss drive like the show that i listen, used to listen to on the, on the drive home i was on yeah so and i did do uni in the, uh, in between by the way as well i did do uh three years of uni yeah uh, so i managed to get that 
crammed in as a little backup at the same time. Yeah, I think it's I think it's important. I think um, like I've, I played a lot of rugby and I know guys that went on to play professionally and um, there is a real element of, yes, you can be super, super passionate about something and yes, you can be really good at it as well and committed to it. But if you pin everything on one thing, then there is always that chance of it falling through yeah, and you know in the, in the case of, of rugby you know lots of guys getting injured and careers ending at a very early age and for the guys who have been to uni there's a slightly more stable option there because they've got that but I can understand when you are so set on something sometimes it is just a case of nothing else matters and you just crack on and that's all you yeah. want to do so yeah it's, uh, it's, it's like- yeah for sure um so I guess we've heard about you know, you as, as your work self, which I imagine is pretty closely aligned to your, your true self. But in terms of you as a person, you know, you're wearing your, your better hat. We've spoken about the, the work that, that you're doing with those guys. Where, where does that come from? Where does your interest and, and passion for mental health come from? So my first experience of any form of, well, I, I say this, I, it, I, this is to my knowledge, right? Yeah. I, I never thought I'd suffered with mental health before this moment um i had a really bad breakup um that i didn't see coming and it just shook everything and it's really interesting because i've never spoken to someone who said that a breakup has affected their mental health as badly as it has say mine or like changed their life that much everyone's got i mean it can literally be anything can't it so um uh, i i quite like sharing that the fact that it was a breakup because a lot of people are like oh okay you don't really expect that um, but yeah, I just had this breakup that just sh- shook me and didn't see coming. And I went into this, I guess, a spiral of like depression for about seven months. And I just could not see a way out of this hole that I was in. Um, and it was uh, until I got out the other side, I was just like, oh my God, like, who was that guy? Yeah. I did not recognize myself. And it must have been a good seven months that I was just this shell of myself still going on capital every day yeah um like trying my best but making some really bad decisions uh i was like i remember one morning i was crying into my cereal before work i was just like hey, what, what, what's going on here but i had no control over it it was just just alien to me it was so unrecognizable um but then i just remember one day just waking up and not being sad because i just did I started doing things and my friends were like worried about me. They started telling me that I wasn't acting the same and they were giving me advice. And I remember listening to that advice and, you know, eventually after about a good two months of self-care, I managed to get out the other side. I woke up one morning and I just remember feeling like today is going to be a new day. I'm not going to let anything get me down. And that was the, that was the beginning of a, of a new chapter for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it all kind of spiraled from this one breakup and now I'm just really aware. And and this goes back to me saying about energy. Like I I would never think about my energy, but now I'm just really aware of giving my energy to people, um, trust, all all these things that I just never thought about before. So actually I'm really grateful for this breakup. I'm really, really grateful it happened because it, it, it changed me for the better. It made me so much more aware of myself and my brain. Yeah, how I absolutely. think and what I do. Yeah, I think um, it's, it's such a common thing that comes up when I'm chatting to people and, and for myself, 100%. It's like, to say that you're grateful for what you went through sounds slightly sadistic. 
Yeah, but it's like it's only once you're through it. Like when you're going through it, there's no way you could ever think like, "Oh, this will be worth it." Like this, <laughs> yeah, this is going to teach yeah. me so much. Like yeah. I'm really excited yeah. to know what this lesson's going to be. And you're just there, like crying into your cereal, and like, yeah. "Come on, like I don't want to do this, please." Um, but yeah, you do. You learn so much, and I think that awareness that you gain of yourself and what matters to you what you value what triggers you what affects you how you deal with things all of those different learnings that you get and that level of self-awareness is it really is worth it and I, I can't echo that enough to people who might be going through stuff like we're not here to um belittle that in any way and mm. what you're going through is is completely valid and unique to you and we can't really know exactly what people are going through but I, I think from both of us like um and i'll be sharing my my own story in a lot more depth um at some point in the future um take it from us like yeah a you can get through it but b you will come out the other side knowing so much more about yourself that will make your life so much better and so much easier in the future so that would be i think a, a definitely a message from me i'm sure from you as well Will. Yeah, so thousand percent i'm i'm I, if my ex can hear me now thanks very much yeah you a lot of favors <laughs> yeah for sure yeah it's interesting as well so um we won't go into it too 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 much now but a lot of my um so i struggled for about 10 years with um pretty differing severities of anxiety um that culminated in depression and um that anxiety nearly always came from um relationships um so oh, okay. that for me was yeah that for me was actually uh, like a really core trigger um in terms of like abandonment anxiety and wow. then i just got myself into this place where i was like unlovable in my own mind and you know just really had a terrible relationship with myself which then led to me being really depressed um so yeah it's interesting interesting to meet a fellow uh relationship depressed person if we want to call oh, ourselves yeah. that so. you know what? that's actually really interesting i've never thought about the unlovable thing but i i do remember thinking if she doesn't want to be with me no one else will you know because i thought that relationship was the one and when it wasn't i was like well what's the point so actually, I've, I've not thought about that, but that, that definitely rings true to me as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned there, um, I guess this is a, two, a two-parter. Um, how, did, you know, how did that depression and that period of, of seven months that you talked about, how did that manifest? You know, depression looks quite different to a lot of people. So how, how did that affect you? You know, you, you mentioned that you're still, still going into work and things like that. So like, yeah. what, what did that look like on a, on a personal level? Yeah, I'm actually really cautious about using the word depression because I, I, I can only say that that's how I felt. And obviously mm. there's varying degrees in, on, on the scale of it. But for me, it was, you know, it was things like crime for work, mm -hmm. which is not normal. Like, I shouldn't be doing that. Um, and I'd be at work and I wouldn't want to be at work. And that's not right because that's the job I've always wanted to do. And I wouldn't feel up for entertaining myself. Why should anyone else be entertained when I'm not feeling good myself? Um, I would make stupid decisions to, uh, you know, try and get my ex back. And, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, people do that in, in normal breakups anyway, but the, these were magnifying and tight, like times a hundred, uh, because I, I couldn't see straight. I just could mm -hmm. not see straight. Um, it was like, it's just tunnel vision, isn't it? Um, and it's when my parents noticed that I wasn't myself that I was like, Oh God, there really is something 
yeah. not right here because I always, you know, I don't really tell my parents much about my personal life because, you know, we don't, do we? It's, a, it's my personal life. And I, I think I'll tell my friends. Um, but it's the day that my mum was like, are you all right? Is everything okay? And I, I remember telling her that things weren't. Um, and that was like quite a big deal. Mm. Like admitting to your parents that you're not feeling great, I, I, I found quite a big deal personally. And then admitting to my friends that I was like, guys, I'm, I'm really struggling here. I'm really, really struggling. And they were like, we know you are. Yeah. We can, we can tell you've just not been yourself for, for so long. Yeah. Uh, and then that's when they started just telling me what I should be doing more of, what I should be doing less of. I think they let me be, or do what I was doing for, for so long because they, they, I think they understood that I needed to do it. Yeah. Which again, I'm very grateful for. Um, I, I honestly don't, I, I think it was worth it. Like you say, it was worth that seven months of pain mm. um, because I, I now know what I, do, what I do want and what I don't want. And I recognize the signs when they come up and I know right now I need to take a step back or I need a night in tonight or sorry guys, I'm gonna have to bail on this plan because I'm not feeling great. So all these things, it's, it's helped me in the, long, in the long term. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, something you touched on there just around your friends sort of giving you that time to actually go through what you needed to go through. And also there's a lot to be said if, the, if they started giving you that advice a month in, mm. then you might have actually, A, not taken it, but also B, reacted badly to that. Because I think yeah. when you're not in a place to hear it, yeah. it actually makes things worse. So, you know, there is lots of amazing advice around mental health out there, but we can't be too flippant with it because some people aren't in a place where they can hear it. And they actually it can actually make someone feel worse if you're saying someone who's really severely depressed and we're talking like can't get out of bed yeah and you're telling them like um oh, just go to run exercise it's like well yeah we need to get to that point where someone feels like they can leave their house and do exercise like before we even have this conversation so um what i guess the second part of that leading on quite nicely was you know what were some of those things that helped you what was some of the advice that you got what what has what have you kept as well like what stays with you to this day in terms of how you deal with things day to day and how you manage your mental health exercise is actually i know it's the most cliche one but i wasn't really into running mm -hmm. but wow i mean i can clear all my mind on a little half hour run and i can just come back feeling on top of the world if yeah. i'm having a shit day i will get myself to the gym i know i'm going to feel better after it it's such an important one for me um, you know, even not, not just like to physically look after myself, I mainly do it for, for my mental well-being. I just feel so much better. I can feel like a completely different person when I leave and when I finish a run. So running for me is definitely a massive one. And, and time, like just blocking time out for myself in my diary. I will look at my week now on a Saturday or a Sunday and I'll go, that's too busy for me. I'm going to take this plan out mm -hmm. and I don't feel any guilt about it like whatsoever. It's so important for me just to have that night in, the two nights in, or go and see a friend that I've not seen in ages, have a catch up. Just the tiniest little things. It's nothing big. It's never anything big. It's not like book an extravagant holiday. It's mm. not that. It's the tiny little things that really make a massive difference to me. And you know, you do it day by day. Yeah, I think it's um, as we said, like so unique to to individuals that there are some there are some really solid staple 
like scientifically backed pieces of advice like exercise like it's a cliche for a reason it's because it works um but it is again yeah a case of trial trial and I was going to say trial and error, probably trial and tribulations of actually figuring out what works for you. And not everything is going to work for people. So I think it's, um, it's important to, uh, you know, important to, to make that point, but also to get, be able to give that broader advice as well. Yeah. Uh, in terms of, I guess, you know, we're here having this conversation and you're working with, with better. And we mentioned, you know, off air, um, before we came on around some of the conversations you've had publicly about this before, why, why is that important for you? You know, why is, is getting out there and talking about it important for you? Just because I don't hear enough of my guy mates do it. Oh. And we've recently had uh, a colleague pass away at work and my guy mates were crying. And I was like, this, this is actually a really good thing, guys. This is really, really good. They were like, sorry. I'm like, do not, never apologize for letting your emotions out because this is so important, right? What you're doing right now is so, so important. These mm. guys I've, I've worked with for four years, I've never seen them cry in my life. Like yeah. th th this is just something they don't do. Um, and it, it's just so refreshing to see guys at the moment, you know, it's helped them just open up. And I just think the more I can talk about it, the more I can say to guys, like, just talk about how you're feeling. No one is going to judge you. It's honestly so normal to feel shit. Um, everyone's feeling shit at some point. Just talk about it. You know, girls do it. Why can't we do it? And even the girls that don't do it, we should all be doing it. Yeah. We, really, we really all should all be doing it. And I'm just so passionate about continuing that conversation as much and often as I can. And, you know, there are so many people talking about mental health, but this is because it's now finally becoming a normal part of life. And a mental health podcast is just as normal as a crime podcast now, which is great. It's, it's, normal, it's being normalized by the day more and more. And, you know, things like what you're doing is great. So I, I'm just all for continuing that conversation. You know, it's not just the breakup that made me experience mental health. It's like uni, for example. I had a shit time at uni. I never hear people talk about that. But I met someone the other day who also had a shit time at uni. And we just had a beer and talked about it for three hours. And he felt so much better about himself. I felt assured that I wasn't the only one. We'd never have had that if we didn't just be like, you know, just, just sit down and have an open and honest conversation. The best thing you can do is just talk about it. No one's going to judge you. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I think there's such a, um, again, coming back to that sort of power of connection and power of having people around. Like we've become very um, individualized and very isolated in our, in our own heads. Like we might be hanging out with people, but we're actually quite a lot up in our heads and, and keeping things to ourselves. And we underestimate how many people are probably thinking or feeling something very similar to what you're thinking or feeling and like it takes unfortunately it takes the first person to have that courage to share it and then you have like three other people be like yeah i had a shit time at uni too like tell me tell me more about that because we've gotten into this habit of you know over glamorizing you know i don't want to pin all the blame on instagram but like things like instagram where it's just like the best you know your best life living your best life all the time and people just actually even if we know consciously that it's not their real life subconsciously we're thinking like oh but what if it is and like why isn't yeah. my life that good and yeah. how could i possibly share my problems if everyone else is having the best possible time so um yeah i think you're absolutely right like the more we can have these conversations you know 
I'm as big a badger for this stuff as anybody out there. Like just keep, keep on having the conversations. So I think, especially, you know, um, I don't know if you call yourself an influencer. You probably hate oh, the words. No way. I hate that, mate. I hate <laughs> so, that word. Hey, don't tarnish me with that, bro. <laughs> You're not. All right. Well, I, everyone I know. I'll take a broadcaster. Broadcaster, public personality. Yeah, I'll take that. Radio personality, not yeah, an influ- yeah. very, very clearly not an influencer. Very different. But I think as someone with a, with a reach, with a following, with people listening to you, you know, whether that's on radio, or whether that's on social media, um, I think it's super important to, to have people like you, um, you know, shouting about this stuff too. So I think it's awesome that, that you have been and that you're, you know, equally as, as privileged to be, to have you on here as well. So, um, yeah, really appreciate you being oh, here goodness. first, first and foremost, I guess, is there any, I like to ask people, um, on the pods, like, any advice that you'd give to, to like a younger Will? Is there anything, you know, we talked about those learnings. Like, is there anything that's, that, that would have helped you back then that you wish you'd known? Yeah, slow down. Mm. I was always in such a rush to get to where I am now. Um, and people around me were just like, just, just chill out. You're like, you're 16, chill out. Like, you can't be on Capital right now, mate. You're 16. Like, you need to go and live your life. I was like, no, but I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. Like, it, it has to happen now. Otherwise, it's never going to happen. And I'm 28 now. And, you know, I've only been there four and a half years. And I wish I just enjoyed the moment a bit more back then. I was doing so many ridiculously cool things. And I was 16, 17, 18 like ridiculous things, cooler things than I'm even doing now sometimes. Mm. And uh, I mean, I did appreciate them, but I was always thinking about the next thing. Yeah. Um, so now I'm just like really focused on enjoying the moment. For sure. So slow down. And, and, and it comes back to actually comparing yourself to others on Instagram. Just like, don't worry about what they're doing. You are you. Only you can live your life. Don't live through someone else's. You're only going to end up really dissatisfied at the end of it because you can't live up to that fake reality. Uh, just live your life the best way you can. Be the nicest person you can. Treat people with kindness because you never know what's around the corner. And just take, take it day by day and enjoy the moment. That's what I try and do all the time now. Just really try and enjoy the moment. Yeah, well, I think that's that, such a cliche, doesn't it? But no, I, I, was, really I was actually going to say, I think that's probably the perfect note to end on, mate. I think that's... Um, and extremely important whether people think it's cliche or not it's true so i think yeah. if people can take that away i think that's um about as spot on as we can get for for a finish so thank you so much Will, again for for joining me it's been a genuine pleasure to to have this chat and uh to find out a little bit more about about you and and for you to share your story with us so really appreciate it thank you mate hopefully it helps hopefully it helps i'm sure it will So that is it for today's episode of Man Down. Thank you so much for tuning in as always. Tune in every Sunday for the next episode of Man Down with our next inspirational guest. If you want to get in touch or if there's anyone that you think should be on the podcast, you can reach out directly on Instagram at jamie.clements underscore or by email on jamie at mandownpod.co.uk. 